0: Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us again this week. It is Blindness Awareness Month, and every week we are releasing an episode that we hope will educate you about blindness and partial sight. And this week we're talking about albinism, and we're going to get into what that is shortly, but I want to introduce my co-host today, Acacia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Um, Can you introduce yourself, maybe uh, explain your level of vision, and then tell us who our guest is going to be?
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm Acacia. I have trouble seeing distance and detail, so sort of like um, small print, um, especially if there's glare, it makes it a lot harder for me to see. Also just far away things. Um, Yeah, and then this is Adam. I met him through Noah year or two ago um yeah he also has albinism
3: welcome adam hello uh my Hi. name is adam i am also have albinism i would best describe my vision as well the way i describe it to my to people i meet is like i can see well but i just can never see detail so it's like if, a, if there's like a piece of paper in front of me and it says something i will observe what it says
1: so do either of you use a white
2: cane Um, I have an ID cane, but I only really use it when I'm in like um, busy areas, um, either unfamiliar areas or I'm downtown.
3: Right. I have a white cane. It's actually right next to me. Uh, I use it primarily during the day when it's just really sunny. Mm -hmm. And for context, I live in Florida, so it's always sunny. Right. And then I normally carry it like even at night, just in case I need it. But I'll always be carrying it. I'd mostly use it during the day, though. Okay, Adam, can you explain what albinism is? Um, so, albinism affects, at least in the U.S., I'm not sure about the rest of the world. Uh, about one in twelve thousand people in the U.S. So, and ha- albinism is a genetically inherited condition. There are seven primary types of albinism, and that vary in severity and your in both vision and skin. Mm-hmm. And it primarily affects vision, along with the amount of melanin that body produces, making a person paler or lighter skin as compared to the rest of their family or friends.
1: Awesome. That's a really good explanation. So people often say, uh, ref- will refer to people with albinism as albino. And I'm curious, do you both find that, is that offensive? Like, how do you want to be referred to?
2: I would prefer person with albinism, but I don't, I don't see anything wrong with albino. It's mostly just because when I was in elementary school, I had this friend where every time we met a new person, she'd go, she's albino. And I don't know, that always just kind of like grated on me. But so now when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. But I don't know. That's, that's just
3: me personally.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I would agree. I do prefer "person with albinism. Um, I don't mind the term albino if it's like in a like inquisitive or question It's like oh are you uh, if someone are you albino like I don't I don't like it but I don't mind it but like if it's in like a derogatory way I will very much not like it but I do Mm. prefer a person with albinism
1: okay so I was listening to rare with flair and they were talking about um people will actually sometimes yell out their car windows albino when they see them like a person with albinism just walking down the street has has something like that ever
2: happened to either of you no um not someone shouting it out I've definitely had like random people come up to me and ask me sometimes in like in front of large groups of people which is interesting but um
1: yeah Uh, okay amazing it amazes me what some people will do I wanted to talk about some of the myths about albinism uh because I think that there are a lot of myths So hair color. So my understanding is that there's less or no, little to no pigment, Um, but there's, it's a range, right? So we can't see you. Our listeners can't see you. I can't see you. Um, Do you guys have white hair, blonde hair, uh, light, like what color hair do you both have? And, and maybe you can talk a little bit about
3: the range of hair color if you're aware. So I have white hair, at least I can, I consider it white. I have met people with albinism that have like blonde hairs, but like typically the range is like white hair to blonde and, mm-hmm. but it can actually depend on the type of albinism. Mm-hmm. So just for context, there are two primary types, which is ocular albinism, which means ocular if you take the roots, ocular means pertaining to the eyes and then cutaneous means pertaining to the skin and hair. So with that type, that's the one that most people think about with albinism, though. That's like white hair, white skin, light blue eyes, and that's like the primary range. And then the second type is ocular albinism, and so that only pertains to the eyes. So that does not affect your skin or hair in any other way. So someone with ocular albinism can have quote-unquote normal color hair which is Mm. obviously possible if you have just ocular albinism. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So often people will comment on or think that a person with albinism's eyes are like pink and apparently they're, it's, they're more clear. And so it's like light reflecting through the eyes will make them appear pink at times, but there's a range there too. So people with albinism can have a range of eye color as well. Right.
2: Yeah. I think, um, We've, we've all had, you know, the photos taken of us where our, our eyes are red in the photo because. Um,
0: Double that's the devil eyes.
2: So it goes through, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I had that a lot when I was younger. I don't know. I wear contacts now, so I get that less, but you still.
3: You know, it still happens sometimes. I've noticed mostly when pictures, if it has a flash to it, it happens a lot more. And just the reason for that, just how light reflects off the eyes, it appears pink, even though most people have likely wise feminism. Most people have likely eyes.
1: Right. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And back in the day when flash photography was more popular, now I feel with the cell phone, you don't have to have the flash. I don't know. I feel like that doesn't happen as much, but, and then skin color can vary as well, right? Depending on how type of albinism that you have would would impact so on the rare with flair podcast which is uh two women with albinism uh one of them was commenting that her skin was a darker color than the other person but darker color still very pale but just darker (laughs) than her friend who darker is a
3: relative term right (laughs) I've, i've just always said in my friend group, I'm always like the lightest one. Like in terms of skin color, I'm always the light, palest one. Even if I like inmate with like white people, I'm very still comparatively light skin. But again, with if you have like just regular, if you have ocular albinism, your skin color will be, nor- well, quote unquote, normal for your family. Mm-hmm. And then in even like black communities or the African American communities, um, like people, a of them there. Actually, have darker skin as compared to people with albinism, but they're still really light for that community.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's a myth that people with albinism have magical powers. This is not something I was aware of. Have you guys heard that before?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, in different parts of the world, I think it's still dangerous for people with albinism because of the beliefs around that. Um,
3: i've heard it too it's mostly in east africa and that's just mostly due to uh the not being educated the population not being educated so they think not through any fault of their own but just the lack of education that people with albinism or albino people in general have like these healing powers so like it's said in east africa if you get like the arm of uh, someone with albinism that will cure cancer that's not true but it's just because they don't know so they don't, they can't do anything about something you don't know.
0: I think
2: portrayal yeah. in, you know, a lot of film of albino people really doesn't help with that also though. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I had that on my list to talk about is just how albinism is portrayed in the media. And often it's the villain character or, or somebody's playing somebody with albinism, but they don't actually have albinism in real life or I mean, have you have Can you think of specific movies or or TV that you've seen that has characters with albinism?
3: So I've only seen it twice in my life. So or heard, at least I heard about it. So one is the Matrix, and I never watched the Matrix. I just know about it. And I was like, and was it, the character twin characters? Like, okay. I don't know. Were they like, bad?
1: They, were they? They yeah.
3: I think they were like the bad guys. Okay. They weren't Neo. I know that much. They weren't Neo from the Matrix, but. Uh, and then the other instance that I actually can speak more on is in the movie, The Greatest Showman, which I think was a great movie otherwise, was um, actually, I didn't notice this until like someone pointed it out to me, but there were two characters, two side characters that had albinism. And then I got curious, so I decided to do some research and the actual actors and actress, because it was an actor and actress duo, they didn't have it themselves. And then when I actually was, when it was pointed out to me, I looked at the characters and I'm like, there's no way, in, there's no way that my hair is that white or my skin is that white. I know I'm light skin and I know I have white hair, but it's not like actually like paper white because that was what it like to me.
2: I haven't seen it, but um, a couple of people have been like, you need to watch the Da Vinci Code. And I, I just can't, you know, I don't want to watch it when some of the only representation is of albino people is villains. I don't know. I don't really mm-hmm. want to do that. And. That person is apparently not played by a albino actor. So,
1: yeah, I have seen the Da Vinci Code and read the book, so I, I do remember references. And yeah, it is the the bad guy, which that's really frustrating. Okay, so something that is pretty true, I I think about albinism is that you need to protect yourself from the sun. Uh, but I think some people think that you have like an allergy to the sun, which is not the case. Although that is a thing apparently, but I'm just curious if you could talk about like how, how, what, what's the routine like for you when you have to go outside on a sunny day, Adam, you live in Florida. Like, how is that? Do you have to, how often Um, do you have to put sunscreen on or what sort of clothing do you wear to protect yourself?
3: I have said Once I finish my degree, I am leaving Florida because this is a horrible (laughs) state to have albinism in. But Mm. nonetheless, um, so I've what I do personally, this obviously changed from person to person and like their severity is if I'm going to be out for anything longer than half an hour, I will put on sunscreen. If I'm going to be anything less than that, I will risk it and just not put on sunscreen. If I know for a fact, I'm not going to be out for a while, but if I am out for a while, or if I know I'm going to be out for a while, I will put on sunscreen everywhere. That's like, I have exposed skin. Mm-hmm. And then every hour to hour and a half, I reapply sunscreen. So like on the rare occasions, I go to the beach, or, like hate the beach. Yeah. I will come home smelling and like be all sticky because of the sunscreen I use. Right. And I should do this, but I don't because personal preference again, I should wear a hat when I'm outside. I just have stopped doing it for whatever reason. I think it's just me being rebellious against my parents, but. (laughs) (laughs) And I also always, I'm always wearing sunglasses when I'm outside. So it's like Mm -hmm. a lot of sunscreen and sunglasses are typically the, the order of the day if I go outside.
1: Okay.
2: I, um, I think I should put on sunscreen more than I do. Um, I think, I think I uh, risk it more than I should, but, um, I Yeah, sometimes I try and get away with the SPF 30 moisturizer um, when I'm not out for too long. But um, I wear a baseball cap and sunglasses basically all the time. Um, sometimes I wear sunglasses also when I'm like watching TV or like in the car, you know. But um, I um, when I was younger, I wore a lot of like UV long sleeves and stuff. Um, now I sort of more like towards just like putting sunscreen on my arms or whatever, but I mean, you know, sort of depends what I'm doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but you don't. Uh, obviously, you don't let it stop you from getting outside. And I mean, it's. I I feel like there's a misconception or a myth
3: that people with albinism can't go outside.
1: <laughs> obviously, never, you can.
3: I would <laughs> never say we cannot. I think it just depends on the person because it's like there are people. I like. I personally, I like being outside. I like walking out in like the park and stuff like that. But I know there are people who don't like going outside or would rather not and like I am the same to a degree it's like if I I would rather not have to go outside for on and like people like I, I live in Florida so everyone's like oh let's go to the beach this weekend." I'm like I'm like I'd rather not mm. I love the beach and I love the water but I'm just like the beach is not the best place for me to go I'd rather do something else but I would that wouldn't stop me I just prefer not to
2: yeah sometimes I choose to you know not go hiking right in the middle of the day or whatever. I'll like strategically plan life to be outside in the mornings and the late afternoons. But
1: have either of you had a really bad sunburn? Yes. Yeah. Not like fun. I, is that something that happens a lot?
3: The most vivid um sunburn I've had in my life was I was eight or nine years old. And so my parents told me, okay, Okay, child, you can put on sunscreen by yourself. We won't tell you to do it. But we're going to see if you're responsible enough to do it yourself. And so I did. I was really good. I did it on the hour. I was really good, except I kind of forgot one spot. And it was, you know, how, like, where your uh, legs bend behind the knee. I burnt the back of my knees. It was the worst sunburn I've ever had in my life. And i'm pretty sure my mom still has a picture somewhere but like i would my knees were basically red like the color red
1: Mm. and
3: it hurt to walk after that for a while
1: Ooh, well that'll teach you Uh, to put
3: more sunscreen on
1: (laughs) what about you acacia have you had a bad burn
2: um i don't know if i've had one that that sounds really painful but um I used to, um, before I wore contacts, I just had like transition glasses, so they didn't really cover my whole eyes and I burnt my eyelids a couple times. Uh, um, yeah, no, I make sure I get the giant sunglasses, but, um, yeah, also I wasn't very good at putting on sunscreen as a child. So I remember one day my dad picked me up from summer camp and I had like tiger stripes of sunscreen on my face. <laughs> yeah. So I learned quickly. Yeah.
1: Yes. Another myth, you cannot be, well, no, the myth is that somebody could be half half albino, not a thing. You either have albinism or you don't have albinism.
3: Well, technically it's a thing. And in, in the most like really genetic sense. So cause albinism is a recessive gene. And if we go back to like 10th grade bio, um, a recessive gene, both parents need to have it and both need to give it to you for you to express it. So you could, in theory, just be a carrier of albinism and not express the gene, and that's the only half albinism you could be. But like, you can't like be half white and half like dark skin or darker skin.
1: Okay, but if you're a carrier, you're not necessarily you don't have limited pigment and yeah, you, know, you wouldn't be expressing it. you would just yeah, like having. You, it in you your, could just DNA. pass it on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Um. So do either of you have siblings and do your siblings have albinism? Um,
2: I have a brother. He doesn't have albinism.
3: So I can't speak on that because I'm adopted. So I don't know.
1: Okay. Fair enough. I know I have a friend, um, a few friends, but with albinism, but uh, one family where I think there's five, five kids with albinism (laughs) in that family. Yeah.
3: You must buy a lot of sunscreen. (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) they probably did they're all grown up now but uh yeah okay so let's talk about the visual impairment aspect of albinism because i feel like the the um no pigment and you know the lighter colored skin and hair and eyes is like what people see but i don't know if people realize that every person with albinism does have a visual impairment to some degree it can range, I understand. So some not everybody would be legally blind, but it does impact vision for everyone. Do I have that right? Yeah. Right. So can you maybe, um, maybe we should talk about like nystagmus uh, is something that's common to albinism, which is like your eyes moving around. Would that be a fair description?
3: So nystagmus by definition is um involuntary movement of the eyes so how it works is the muscles in the back of your eye fire without your brain controlling them and that's cause your eyes to move sporadically
1: right okay and photophobia which is basically light sensitivity is a big part of albinism
3: as well right yes sunglasses are amazing let me tell you
2: <laughs> i'm wearing my blue light glasses right now and my screen is like 75% black on my computer so oh, okay yeah. so even the
1: computer screen is
3: affects your vision yeah is- I always like dim everything down as much as possible on my computers and so,
1: so in your homes I'm gonna assume sort of dimly lit um, curtains closed when the sun's out like how, how, how do you set up your environment to be
3: comfortable so um, at my home, um, normally my, um, my parents complain about this all the time, but whatever it's there, it, it, whatever. Anyway. Um, so in my bedroom at home, um, I only have the one lamp and it's in like the corner of the room. And I normally never have it on unless it's the sun has gone down, unless the sun has gone down, I never have it on. And then my parents are always complaining that like my room is so dark and how do you see anything in here? <laughs> and I and I just sit there I'm like, well, I could see perfectly fine and it's great for me. So shut up, it's my room. <laughs> well, I'm a bit more respectful than that, but like you guys, right?
1: Get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. Yes.
3: <laughs> but like I've always noticed, it's like I've noticed like over time, it's like because of the photophobia and the light sensitivity, we like people all pick up on more light. So like what a room is that like poorly lit to some people seem like it's like perfectly fine for us like mm-hmm. in my dorm room actually where i'm where i'm right now is like i only have like the one lamp and it's on like the dimmest setting but like for me it lights up the entire room and then from like my roommate it doesn't and that's just because of the difference in like light perception
1: yeah interesting
2: i find like when i'm doing like work on paper like homework or something i um like when the contrast isn't very good, it's hard for me to see. So um, I can't have it too dimly lit. But um, if I just have sort of like a soft, like warmer lighting is sort of less hard on my eyes, I find. So like, um, and like the not fluorescent lighting.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed it's the same okay. thing. Like like the orangey light. I don't know what that, I don't know what the special term for that is, but like the orangey light as opposed yeah. to like LED led or like fluorescent. I hate, I hate led fluorescent, and I prefer like the orange light. Cause that just seems to be a lot better for me personally.
1: Mm. I have a funny story about, about lighting. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I used to be on the national goal wall team and there was three or four at one time, I think other teammates that had albinism oh, wow. and I have, I have RP, so I'm night blind. And they would always want the lights off in the gym while we were doing our warm-up run. But if we turned the lights off, then I couldn't see anything. So we would kind of argue.
3: I, yeah, damned if we do, damned if we don't.
1: Yes, but I was outnumbered. So I kind of, we would do our warm-up jog with the lights off, just the natural light from the window coming in. And I mean, with a ball, you're wearing a blindfold while you play. So that's not an issue, but... I remember those sort of um, arguments, you know, lighthearted arguments, but.
3: (laughs) I would find that interesting, honestly. I'd just be like, I'd be there to watch, to see what happens. (laughs)
1: Um, So you guys mentioned that you met through NOAA. What is NOAA? What does it, what is NOAA?
3: So NOAA, well, it stands for uh, the National Organization for Albinism and Hypopigmentation and weirdly enough, we have I have a friend, we have a friend named Noah who also goes to Noah. And I was just like <laughs> the irony. <Yes. laughs> but like I was just like the irony in that. But um Noah, um, if I remember their mission statement correctly, because I don't, um, was like to get people with albinism to connect more and to like show that like you're not the only one in the world with albinism, even though it might feel that way, because normally like for me, I go to a school of 60,000 students and I'm the only one with albinism. And it's like, it can feel very lonely, but like knowing that like there are other people in the world who also have it is great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they do a bi-yearly convention convention English. And so they did one this year actually, where they try to like get like a bunch of people with albinism all grouped together. And I actually went to that, this year because it was in Florida because that's a great idea just put a bunch of people with um who are with albinism in Florida that's a great idea it was very sunny but anyway (laughs) I went with my mother and I joked to my mother you can't find me anymore because I'm not the only white head in the room there's like 30 of us in all in one room with white heads
1: as ironically, I do know somebody else with albinism who lives in Florida. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of funny.
3: It's a bad idea. <laughs> Never do it. I don't want to do it.
1: <laughs> so if, um, I mean, we have listeners, I'm sure a parents of kids with albinism, or if there's somebody with albinism listening and they aren't connected to Noah, is it something you can just Google or do they have a website or a Facebook group or how, how would people find them?
3: There is a website and Instagram I don't know if there's Facebook because I'm not on Facebook I know there is a website I think just look like albinism and the website is albinism.org and then that has a bunch of like resources and it has like resources for like parents kids and like even teachers to like like if like you're a student with all of you you could like show it to your teacher and be like hey this is my condition and like please like do things for me Yeah.
2: yeah No, they also have like, um, I don't know if they have one for, if they have one for younger kids, but there's like the teen connections in the, the, for different age groups. Um, that's, that's how I started with Noah. Um, actually that's one of the only things I do, but, um, is the, it's just like a meeting every two weeks, um, you know, connecting with different teens who have albinism across mm. places. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. You know, and it was just really cool because I met a couple people when I was younger, but that was really it because I'm not from a huge city or anything. So, um, you know, just getting to know other people around my age and hearing hearing different experiences and stuff was really cool.
1: I'm just thinking about, you know, do you look like the other members of your family? And for many people with albinism, probably not if your family has dark hair and dark, dark coloring and then you don't like how that must feel, and and you know, it's like visible, right? People can tell when they look at you that you're paler, that you don't look like your family, and I imagine that does feel sometimes like you're the only one with that situation.
3: In my family, I am adopted, so I mean, it's not an exact match because, like, no, I don't have any blood relatives, but like, they're still my family nonetheless, and um. With me and my sister are both the same age just because adoption, it worked out that way. Mm. And so we would always be in like the same grade level in school. And whenever I told one, hey, this is my sister, my sister looked extremely different as compared to me, then no one would, they would, I probably wouldn't believe us. They would be like, right. that's, it's like, that can't be true. He looks nothing like you. He doesn't even look like our brother. And I mean, to me that, kind of it was kind of hurtful but at the same time I kind of knew where it was coming from mm-hmm. and over time and over the years like I spe- like at school when they would do like class photos every once in a while like you would always know which one where I was in the class photo because I was the only one who looked the way I did and I mean sometimes it felt isolating but and I'm gonna to be honest I felt really bad about it. There were actually times in my early childhood where I wished I didn't have albinism because I hated the fact I looked different. Mm-hmm. But now after doing, after being in ROTC in high school, I have come, I've lo- I just have come to accept what I have. And honestly, I just, I really have learned to just not care what people think about how I look. I just, I've learned to accept it over time. And that's just me growing and not, and just accepting what I have and the card I've been dealt.
1: Mm -hmm. So interesting. Acacia, you mentioned that you wear contacts. Are they, are they tinted to be color or are they just like, instead of glasses?
2: they're pretty much clear. Um, the rims have a little bit of blue tint so I can find them when I drop them on the floor because I do that a lot. Mm. Um, but no, they're just, um, instead of glasses, I find I used to play sports and I used to play ringette and I'd have the helmet. So I couldn't wear my glasses. And then when I was like 11 or 12, I think I got contacts and it just like totally changed my life. And then I found that they just made basically everything else easier too. And like I don't know. I find that I can see better with my contacts because they move with my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people that don't think that at all. So yeah. I don't know. They really worked for me, but they don't. I don't know. Kind of depends, I guess.
3: I, I do not wear contacts because my eye doctors told me I couldn't because my nystagmus is too severe, but I, I've just never tried it because it kind of like freaks me out. The idea of like po- putting something in your eye, I guess like this kind of like freaks me out. So I'm, I don't know, I'm just like, I don't want to do that. And then, so I just wear normal glasses, but I did not do sports at all. I did ROTC in high school, which was the closest thing I ever did to a sport.
1: What is ROTC?
3: So, oh God, you're going to get me on a rant, but anyway. <laughs> so ROTC, or to give it its full title is, it's a U.S. thing, so I don't know if they have it in Canada. But it's a U.S. thing. It stands for Naval Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps. And the goal of ROTC is to make better, to make the leaders and citizens of tomorrow. Okay. And so, and it's based off the military. So it's not a military program within itself. It uses, but it does use military uniforms, um, military customs and traditions to make better leaders out of the high school students and so i did it all four years of high school and i got told constantly hey you can't do this because your vision's poor your skin you're gonna burn up in during pt Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff like all like the normal stuff like hey you can't you can't do this and i honestly took that as a challenge and i did it all four years of high school. And when I graduated from high school, I became a talent officer. So I was an officer in the program, and I was one of the best cadets in my entire in the entire state of Florida at academic competition. I was one of the best, and so I, I've never for me I've always heard you can't do this for whatever reason, mostly because of my albinism, and I've always been like just watch me and honestly i've done really well for myself and even despite having all of them despite being told you can't i've been always like just watch me do this because i've always thought i've always whenever i hear someone say you can't do this i just take that as a chance like, just watch me do it and right now actually i am uh studying to be an engineer And I am the only disabled or engineer with a disability in my entire college of engineering at my school. And so I'm taking it as a challenge to be like, I will do this despite what people may say or think of me.
1: I love that. That's awesome. So I feel like you're gonna have to come back when you are an engineer and tell us all about being an engineer with a visual impairment. (laughs) Cause that is really, really cool. Do you know what you wanna do? once you're done, like, I'm sure there's like many different ways of doing engineering. I'm assuming, I don't know much about it, but
3: yeah, there are a lot of different professions that I could go into. I actually, because I actually did want to join the military, but I couldn't because of well, one parents, they didn't want me to, and two, I I was considered legally blind. So that kind of like stopped me. But, um, what I want to do is Um, as my career is to work in the military industrial complex. I want to work for the U S department of defense and like become an engineer for that. Wow. And that's what I want to do as my career.
1: Yeah. Good luck. That's so cool. Is there anything else either of you wants to say about albinism or, you know, this is like a chance, like if, if there's one thing you wish people understood or, Just anything that we haven't talked about that, that you want to put out there.
3: I would honestly just say to like anyone who's new to it or like anyone with a disability in general is that even like, don't listen to people who say you can't try your best at whatever you want to do and see how far that takes you. Cause like, yeah, sure. You're going to have all the people who say you can't, but as long as you know that you can, that you gave it your all. That's honestly all that you can ask for. Just do it. You can all give it at your 110% and see what happens.
2: Um, I think it's important to sort of, like, I don't mind talking about it now. I don't mind if people ask me about it, but I think just a lot of the time going up to, you know, just going up to approaching strangers, um, you know, especially if if they're younger or with a group of people and asking them, because I know, like, some people don't feel comfortable with that. And I didn't when I was younger. And I feel like a lot of people, like, you know, it's not like anyone ever means anything bad by it, but just, you know, like sort of being sensitive to that, I guess.
1: I think people ask a lot of insensitive questions sometimes and, and forget this is a person and you're just doing your minding your own business, living your life. And you don't necessarily want to be interrupted to be asked about your albinism. So I would echo that, Acacia. <laughs> <laughs> just keep it to yourself. There's a time and a place, right? I feel like once people are your friends, maybe, and they have questions, it's a little bit different than yeah. Once you know people, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today and educating me and our listeners about albinism. This has been very informative. I really appreciate you being here thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, Visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.